It's double feature week here at Hotline League. Episode 25 is airing just one day after episode 24. That's because we had such a great guest planned for tonight that we could, we had to get him. We had to get him. There's so much going on. Actually, there's not that much going on, but it's a great time to get him because we can talk about everything we want to in the world. MSI is coming up. What's going on with TSM these days? We're going to find out because Parth is here on the show tonight to talk about all things TSM, League of Legends, and more. Such a great show for you guys tonight. It's all starting right now. Hotline League is brought to you by Omen by HP. Woohoo! We're here. We're here. That's right. How do you know it's going to be a great show? Uh, because every show is a great show, Mark. But we don't plan anything. No, but it always works out. It always works out. Uh, and that voice, that dulcet tone that you just heard uh, coming in through your speakers... Your headset, your headphones, whatever you're using. That's Mark Zimmerman, my constant yep. co-host. How's it going, Mark? Pretty good. Not much has changed in the 24 hours or less since you last saw me. Talk to uh, me about the last 22 hours of your life, Mark. Can you take me through it? So... I don't really remember that much. I think I watched some anime. Okay. <laughs> I, watched, I finished I finished Made in Abyss. It was like... Your life, yeah, I think you should. This is the moment with you. The fact that you've got nothing going on, this is when to start vlogging. I want to see a I, daily vlog of your life. Uh, I'm telling you, the daily vlog will just be me <laughs> in a chair or my bed. That'd be every sick. Day. I like, went out. I got like quarters to do laundry. I, I did some dishes and then I went back to my room. Nice. <laughs> that's sick, man. I mean, that's the vlog I want to watch. I just want it to be like the camera angle changes. And every time the camera angle changes, it's been a couple hours. And you're just like, yep, just watched a couple more episodes of that anime. I was watching two hours ago. <laughs> did you uh, did you see that video I made like last year, maybe like a year and a half ago about like how bored I was waiting for the uh, like LCS to start? Uh, no. Oh, this is a perfect time to do what you do and plug my own shit. You can introduce Parth, though. Because I'm not going to like. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your permission. Our next, besides my co-host, we're joined by a man that needs no introduction yet. I'm going to introduce him anyway. It's Parth from TSM, who's choosing this moment to take a drink of water. Uh, Parth, Hello. how's it going? Not too bad. Do you want to explain? You, you finally wore me down. Yes. Travis exactly. has been trying to get me to do this show since it started. And... After 20 dates, he was finally like... That's actually, what happened was I said, Parth, do, I just, you, do you or anyone from TSM want to come on the show? We'll take <laughs> any of the players. That'd be great. And Parth said, if you can't find anyone... Like, after 24 hours, he's like, if you can't find anyone else, I'll do it because no one else wants to. <laughs> that, was, that was what he said. So this is the one TSM person we were able to secure. Uh, but you know what? It's the most important TSM player, person. You know, there's a lot of people. They talk about Bjerg, talk about Hanser, they talk about whoever. But it's really about this guy right here. He's the person that makes it happen. Parth, actually, you want to explain a little bit about yourself for those that don't know your role at TSM? Sure. So brief history of me with TSM. I joined them as an analyst back in 2015, uh, 2016, 2017. I was kind of there doing management work. Then I became a coach for a year and a half, and then I'm back, um, back working at the office. I kind of back run, as the coach. Is that the off season? The uh, yeah, that's the off season scoop. Yeah. No, um, I work with both League of Legends teams, both the academy and the main thing, main team. Um, my job is pretty boring. 
So yeah, that's me. That's hype. Man. It used to be a Boeing engineer or something, right? I don't know. We want to go that far back. I mean, that's I mean, even more boring. So Karth, yeah, but it your sounds sixth grade it's like you build seven forty sevens. Yeah, I do know how to build a fuselage of a seven forty seven. Get me some like composite prepreg, and I can crank one out for you. Okay. What if I got you some empty boxes? What could you build me? I can give you a nicer looking box. <laughs> That's I it. can draw stuff on it. If we, if anybody wants to call into the show tonight and ask about 747 fuselages, we can totally uh, make that happen. I actually probably can't because I was in the R&D group and a lot of what I did was under NDA. So okay. maybe not. Well, yeah, well, when does that lift ever? Is that ever like, isn't it like know, after never, it's come out? I never asked. You should ask right now. Send a text message to Mr. Boeing. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh all right. Well, Parth is here. There's a lot of hype around it. Life is great. Uh Mark, do you want to talk a little bit about how this show works since Parth is unfamiliar? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I watch every episode, Travis. I log mm-hmm. in at eight PM every Monday. And you wait watch every minutes. show. Yeah, that's what I meant. And then I watch the segments that happen, which Mark will now explain to you. Yeah. What What is your favorite episode <laughs> so far, Parth? Uh, the one with you and Mark in it. Oh, that was yeah. Great. Yeah. There was a bit a couple of those, actually. Yeah. How did you like our live show? I realized that you guys did a live show because I was watching the Twitch stream before this thing started. So that seemed cool. <laughs> <laughs> And I wish I'd seen it when it was live. All right. Parth, you fucking... <laughs> Mark, just oh, Mike, yeah, Mike. <laughs> explain how the show works. If Mike Young's here, you want to swap out Parth to get Mike <laughs> Young on? Mike didn't... Yeah, whatever. Just go, Mark. All right. Uh, so the way the show works, for people who have not been here before, we have a Discord server. I'll be spamming the link in a second. You're going to want to join the Discord server. When you are there, there are text channels... And there are voice channels. You're going to need to, Travis changed all the names. So you're going to need to call into the pleb calls, uh, join that group. Or the subs. And, or the subs if you are a sub to this channel. And then I'm going to pull you from there, but you're going to put your takes or your questions or whatever in the text channel, uh, channel general. So that's where you'll write things. Oh, I know there's actual different chat. See, this is. I'm fucked here. There's actually a text channel called Plebs Call In. That's where you're going to put all your takes. So uh, if you want to say Parth was a great coach, Parth was the best coach North America's ever had, Parth was the worst coach, whatever it is, whatever your hot take is, post it in there, and then I'll pull you into the waiting room. We'll do a mic check, and then you'll join the room. Very good. So before we get into calls, just a quick bit of conversation. Uh, Parth, I don't know... Has there been any content or any interviews or anything? Did I miss anything around like what happened with TSM following the the loss in playoffs? No. Okay, great. Well, then you're the first person that we get to talk to about this. What Excellent. happened with TSM and the playoffs? Uh, they lost oh. very early on. Yeah. Uh, how did that happen? Um, so we definitely talked to... And by that, I mean me and Andy. We talked to the players and coaches a little bit afterward. Um, the biggest problem that TSM had going into the season was it was 
the players and coaches weren't really organized in the way that they needed to be because Ven and Mithy were coming from EU and had like a different expectation of how a team is run. Uh, Bjerg and Kevin had one expectation and uh, Song and Lustboy were sort of used to their system of coaching. Um, and when the three sort of came together, it was kind of a really weird mishmash where neither neither of the parties wanted to step on each other's toes in terms of how to really do things. Um, and they slowly had to figure it out as the season went on. So what I mean by that is like, it's everything from fun fundamentally from like, how do you run practice to how do you approach um, prep for games to like, what kind of stuff are you looking at when you scout opponents? Like all that needed to be built from scratch to suit the current team that we had. Um, because everyone takes processes and uses information differently. Um, so even though we were able to sort of iron out a lot of the kinks during the regular season uh, towards like week nine, between week nine and um, our quarters, I don't think that uh, the staff and players really had the right mindset in terms of preparation for clutch. And so I think when we did end up playing against them, a lot of that was, it wasn't even nerves. It was just lack of preparation that it ended up into being bad play. And in the middle of the series, we just didn't have the adaptations that we needed in order to win. So that's like the long winded answer. Um, but mostly I think clutch did a pretty good job of identifying what they were good at. And they just had like a game plan and we just didn't respect that as much. Uh, by the way, not to uh, take note of what Parth was just saying, but uh, for, I think a lot of people in the discord are just putting questions in. We can sure. pull some questions, but it's much more interesting when you guys have like a take. You know, we don't want this just to be a Q&A show. Like you should call in and say, like, I think Clutch uh, was actually terrible and it's crazy TSM lost. Or I think. Wait, that... wait, don't get me wrong. I don't think Clutch was very good and we should have won that match, but we just didn't do the right things in order to. See, that's an example of a take that you could have, not a question. The ne another one would be. Uh, I think TSM lost because the best of threes, or I think Team Liquid's going to win MSI. It doesn't have to be constrained to just Parth or TSM. So uh, that's the type of stuff that we tend to like the most is uh, some interesting calls and, and interesting takes. Yeah, I don't remember what I pulled thus far, so we'll see what we get. Great. And then maybe I'll start looking for hotter takes if it's just a Q&A. But who knows? Maybe that's what we want. Mark, do you have any questions for Parth before we get in? Uh, so I don't know if this is on the way yet, and I know I already asked him this in person, but I'd love just to, to have him talk about it. This is the first time TSM has ever had a legitimate off season, the way that like other teams have had when you just get knocked out. Because TSM's always the one representing us at different international competitions, or at the very least, they make it to the finals. And here they're out early, they got nothing to do. And I just want to ask Parth, how does it feel? It fucking sucks. I, I, I mean, more than losing, like, I don't even care that, like, it sucks that we lost, but it sucks that we now have nothing to do for like two, two and a half months, whatever it is. Um, I think people talk about how going to tournaments leads to burnout a lot. Um, but that's, I guess, kind of because I've never had to see the other side of it, which is the teams that don't make it are just sitting around for like two or three months and don't have anything to do. So um, I think... If anything else, the motivation to win next split is going to be more. We don't want to be dicking around for four months after if we don't make it to Worlds. I mean, it's weird in that this like I feel you know talking to the TSM players, I remember how exhausting it was for them to like decide if they were going to go to All Stars at the end of the year because they had so 
little time off. Uh, it's kind of yep. strange that now, I mean, obviously, unfortunate, it came, unfortunate that it came from a loss, but that now it's the other world where it's like, actually, we need more time to play. I don't know. Well, I think, I'm, I, that was my my personal take. Yeah, it wasn't like representative of the players. Well, you said it's going to be the major yeah. motivation for the team going into summer. Well, it's going to be my major motivation okay. to help the team okay. <laughs> move forward. So does I think that mean also that you maybe will be more. helping the team, Parth? As a manager, I kind of have to. So, okay. yeah. I was going to say also, like, there's probably some middle ground as well between, like, we get knocked out and have yeah. three months off and, like, we literally never get a break. I'm sure there's something in the middle there that that's a little bit more workable. Yeah. Yeah. And All-Stars is a little bit different because All-Stars is not like a, even though it was framed as a very, like, competitive tournament, I don't think that a lot of pros that went to it really had that mindset or um, treated it that way. Right. All right. Well, uh, should we go ahead and uh, start serving yes, people? I do want to really quickly, Mark. I just want to give a shout out to some people who uh, hit up the the sub system. Uh, the hit the hippie Steve, Chadley X, Brandanian, uh, Smallung, uh, Vizino. He says hi. Have a great day, homie. Your friend Hugh, uh, Golf eighty two, Boba Cola gifted sub to Kapalulu, uh, It's Volks. And uh, we should be getting that next caller any minute to the call. Tubaman, Tuberman, thirteen twenty-five, OG forty-seven, seventeen, Shasti, um, and Tubaman, thirteen twenty-five sent two thousand bits and says, "Can half of this go to Mark?" It's great. Mark's not on the channel, so he won't. Know. Oh, hey, Mark. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard that joke before. <laughs> Argent is here. Argent, where are you calling from? I'm from Mexico City. From Mexico City. Okay, well, welcome to the show. Uh, I just turned you up. You're a little quiet, but uh, what would you like to talk about on the show today? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, yep. I think you're good now. What would you like to talk about? Hey, um, I actually want to ask Parth's opinion as a coach. Uh, Reckless was recently in Korea. Yep. And... He said, uh, basically, he's saying that uh, Korean solo queue is harder than the EU final. And then uh, he says he's playing that he signed a three-year contract with Fanatics and etc. But then he said before signing that contract, he considered and he several Korean and Chinese teams. Mm -hmm. uh, saying basically, I'm willing to put on the work. I I will learn the language. Will do whatever it takes. Region and a single team him, say anything to him. And now we know that the the Korean teams are looking for to the ten man roster. So we know they are looking for players. And um, what do you think about class uh, I mean, opinion? Like, is it realistic for an EU player to say I can join a Korean team and make and make it to Worlds? Because he said that like, won't join just any team. He won't. He doesn't want a challenger team. He wants one of the big teams. And he said I can join any Korean team and make it to Worlds and win. Is it realistic of him, or is he just being a little confident because he won the EU, the EU championship? Okay, 
So, so uh, Reckless went over to Korea. He obviously thinks the competition over there is better because he said the Soul Q is a more difficult challenge than the EU finals. And just chiming in real quick on that yeah. point, Reckless knows how to make fans. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Reckless knows what people like to hear. And he knows how to put on a show, as we've seen uh, from his onstage stuff. So, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. So that, that's, that's my opinion on what he said. So either way, he said that. Um, but he also said uh, and during the All-Star time when I interviewed him, I think with other people, that he had opportunities with Korean and Chinese teams. Uh, so is, there, is, that a, is it reasonable that we could see an EU player that he could have gone over and competed on, in China or Korea on one of the top teams? I don't think, personally, I don't think mechanically that Reckless is any, like, far off from any of the top 80 carries in Korea that you see right now. Um, but the biggest thing is you have to be able to speak Korean fluently. And not just that, in order for um, a player to move to a different country and speak a different language, you also have to deal with a lot of cultural differences. Um, the problem that a lot of people don't really see about um, players coming to NA from Korea, for example, is that even though they slowly learn English and they can do interviews and they can speak enough English in order to play the game um, and communicate with their teammates, there's also like a big cultural aspect of how do you live in like an environment, um, a coaching structure um, that is completely different than their own. And I think Reckless would find the Korean training regimen uh, and then the way they do things um, and just the environment a lot harder um, than he would have if he was just talking about like his mechanical skill. So if he was just talking about like, oh, I'm good enough to play on a team, then I'm sure he is. But if he's cons if he's actually considering doing that in terms of like communication, environment and everything else, I don't think it's super realistic for like an EU player who doesn't already speak Korean to go and do that. So sorry, is it because he doesn't speak Korean or do you think it's because of the training regimen? Oh, no, no. Training regimen is just part of it. It's just like the entire environment of how like Korea does things versus China does things versus NA does things. is just very different. Like regionally, there's very different cultural aspects of how everything is done. And I do think that it takes a lot of time for players to adjust if they even end up adjusting at all. And I think that realistically western players who have grown up in na or eu who've gone through like that system is going to be really hard for them to adapt to anything else uh, what, uh, what about the korean and chinese systems do you think it is that is so difficult because obviously we have instances where korean and chinese players have come to america they seem to really like it here uh to the extent that so well, like we joke talk well, about using it as like I mean, a retirement plan right i, mean, I don't just it's a distribution i don't think like everyone has liked it i think almost conversely few people like it or have actually used that to like get more successful i think yeah that's true. i think that's a true fact yeah I, I would i would say that's pretty true i mean like even people who might enjoy some of the lifestyle advantages that come from from playing here like there's the actual like parts talking about like the structure things like uh in terms of like, just not like in the Korean structure, everyone talks about how important the coach is and they tell you what to do and all this stuff. It's, it's in, especially Europe from my understanding, it's more free flowing in terms of like players having control over things and like 
getting told what to do is a big deal and then getting told what to do in a different language is a big deal and getting told what to do and then having no one else to talk about or bitch or two about what you're getting told. Like there's, there's a lot of layers on top of it. And that's, that's been felt even by Korean players coming to North America. If like they get told what to do, but they don't like, they don't speak the language as well. They have a hard time expressing their concerns with what they're getting told to do. And like, you just can't have a, a full out, like good conversation about it. Yeah. Even with a translator, which adds just like another layer. Does that make sense for you, Argent? Or any other kind of follow-up questions? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask, uh, with what NA is trying to improve the, not only the region. Sorry, you're kind of breaking up, Argent. Uh, hello, hello, Hi. hello. Yeah, yeah, can you repeat that part? Sorry. Okay, um, with the franchising, I think DNA is trying to improve the region and also improve the players. Um, in some years, like let's say five years into franchising, 10 years into franchising, we see NA players going to other regions because right now we only see Korean, Chinese players, EU players coming to NA, but we don't really see NA players going to other regions. Do you think it will be possible? It'll never happen. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I, that's my opinion. Uh, because uh, we don't have anyone, like we don't have, we have a smaller player base than the other three major regions by a substantial margin, like million plus less than the other three quote unquote major regions. So like if someone comes along who is so talented that they should go across the seas, someone's going to pay for that guy especially with franchising like that. If that guy's so good that Korea wants him or China wants him, like that means he's a stud. Pick that guy up. He'll be your franchise player for forever. Don't let him go across the ocean. So I think it yeah. could happen, but it only happens in like a pretty apocalyptic scenario where NALCS <laughs> collapses. So, so, Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I mean, she did say it's like five years into franchising and everything is more stable. Not like, Oh yeah. In a world no, where like, it's no, like right now, like five years, and 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I could see that, like, let's say franchising fails, which I think is not a crazy, like, I think hopefully this will work. And I think the chances are it'll work. But if the, even if there's a 10 or 20% chance that it doesn't work and the teams don't get what they want and all this money pulls out and like salaries drop and NALCS, North America becomes like just a series of tournaments because they can't really support a league anymore. Right. Can't find the sponsors or whatever. Then, we start to become kind of like what StarCraft used to be, where you did have Western players going to create a compete because that was where the premier tournaments were and there wasn't much to keep them around in North America. Yeah, I guess if the question is barring an economic collapse of the North American scene, then sure, anything's possible. I don't know what that future looks like. As long as NA exists, good NA talent will stay here. Yeah. And I'm not saying an economic collapse is impossible either. I'm just saying that wasn't the... The situation. Yeah. It's hard for anyone to want to leave the best region in the world. Uh, Argent, thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate it. I think you're saying thank you, but uh, you're kind of breaking yeah, up, so I'll just assume it. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, so thanks again to Argent for calling in. Uh, Jordan, reset for four months. Kademon98, Miseroli. Uh, the Ross Geller have all sub. Thank you guys so much uh, for your support of the show. Uh, Mark is back, and with him is Raging Pianist 
that is a person who plays the piano angrily. Yes, indeed. Yes, uh, indeed. Very angrily. He's angrily, angrily yes. beating the keys of the piano. Yes. Uh, do you do you play the piano? Yeah, I've been playing for like 20 years now. So. Okay. Is it a profession for you? No, uh, I'm trying to pass the bar exam now. Oh, okay. And that's so. not that's not helping you, the piano. Oh no, it definitely helps. But, oh, okay. You know, it's just a stress relief thing. Nice. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Brooklyn. From Brooklyn. Nice. Okay. Yep. So what would you I like? Actually, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I actually uh, met you at MSG. I remember that. It yeah, was really yeah. great to see you, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. That was a great moment for me during that. What do you want to talk about on the show? <laughs> um, no, so I just wanted to talk about the fact that Parth was a analyst, just like Mark, and he made his way up to head coaching position. He was helping people. You know, like he transitioned into it. Now he's not coaching, but he's still working with the team and. You know, we're talking about Mark, what he's doing these days. He's at home. You know, we don't know. We should get a camera, see what he's up to, watch an anime. But, you know, Parth, I think you need to give him some motivation, get some coaching or do something. You know, he has the skills. Can't be working at that right analyst desk forever. So, so wait, wait. So <laughs> what is the premise of this call? <laughs> he, wants, he wants you to pitch me on joining a team, I guess, or something. Okay. Essentially, it's just, I don't know. I feel like Mark has a lot of skills too. And I think he did. A, I, I personally thought he would be the head coach of liquid at some point, but it never happened. And I'm a big liquid fan. So I just, I don't know. I want to see him do something. So Parth, why should Mark forsake his job? He's not, actually, I should say forsake his job. He's literally just sitting around on his ass watching anime all day. So what? Well, okay, so hold on just real quick. Cause Twitch chat's blowing me up saying I picked this guy for this. I picked him because one of the things he said in the the tw- in the Discord message was about transitioning not only from coaching but transitioning from coaching to a team, and yeah. I want to pick Parth's brain because I also tried to do that and didn't find it fulfilling. So that's where I thought this question was going, not pitching me on coming back to coach somewhere. No, yeah, just generally the transition. Well, first off, I do. I actually still like the question of of Parth. Why should Mark go back to coaching or working as a team instead of doing what he's doing now? Uh, damn, I, I can't tell Mark on it because I'm not coaching anymore. If I thought coaching was like awesome or fulfilling enough, uh, coaching is a lot of stress, and you work. I don't know, like you literally think about league nonstop and your players and everything is going to go go on. Uh, everything's going to happen that weekend. What happens if you don't make like playoffs? What happens if you don't get finals for the first time? What happens if you don't make worlds? What happens if you don't get out of groups? Um, you're constantly thinking about, oh, this player needs to learn this stuff. Oh, this player isn't getting along with this in the last week. Um, it's literally just like a giant thing of stress for like 12 to 14 hours a day. And then the two hours you're um, watching VODs. VOD, watching VODs is like the most relaxing part of any coach's day. Anyone will tell you. Um, so yeah, I can't really pitch Mark on coaching because his life seems pretty chill right now. All right. So yeah. what was the follow-up? Was the transition out of coaching? Well, so I think what I interpreted what, what Raging Penis was saying, he can correct penis. me, was like, that's what I said. Okay. <laughs> Raging Penis. <laughs> He uh, he was saying something about transitioning also from coaching to then like management stuff at a team and staying with the team as opposed to like when you're done coaching, just leaving, which is what I did. Um, sure. So um, I don't know why you have found that fulfilling because I, I didn't find it that way. 
Yeah, because uh, when I first so when I first joined TSM, I wasn't really intending to stay in. Like I when I first joined, I wasn't even looking to be like an analyst or part of like a professional team. I was more interested in esports like as a whole um, and the industry. And so part of that. After we lost 2015 Worlds, that's when I talked to Andy and asked him if there were opportunities for me, like on the management side, to work with sponsors, work with other teams, because it was more interesting of a space for me. Um, and it still is. And then the second thing is, I enjoy working with like super driven people like Andy and Birg and just being around them and helping them, helping support them. Any, in any way it can, plus learning more about the space um, is something that I think is really fun and cool. Uh, so it was super easy for me to transition into this role because I I might not have like the best game knowledge, but I had like I can organize things and players and uh, everything pretty well. And so that's the sort of the skill set that I can use and leverage that to the position I have right now. Gotcha. Do you have any other okay. kind of follow-up conversation points, Raging Pianist? Well, I mean, as someone who uh, I'm planning on eventually, hopefully working within the industry, like I've worked, I've talked to Bryce Bloom. He helped actually helped me when I was in law school with like some papers and stuff. Um, I don't know. Maybe you guys have some uh, tips on what I can do to try to, you know, get my foot in the door, essentially. Well, what do you do? And so, he um, wants to be a lawyer. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, I, I mean, ideally, I'd like to work, you know, as like a player agent or something, but just in any role, really, to just get my foot in the door and work. Because I, you know, I've been even when I was in law school, I wrote like research papers on legal issues back in like 2015. A lot of them like franchising and stuff like that already occurred. But, you know, I just kind of want to get my foot in the door. And I don't, I don't know if you guys have any tips or anything. Um, I think it's hard I mean, for I, us to give too much help around being like a player agent or esports lawyer since it's it's a little bit different than us. I think I would encourage you to do it though because I think that there's a a first off I don't know how much money there is to be made in that that business because a couple of esports are doing really well, um, but others aren't. So you're you're probably going to like try to get involved with some sort of startup or something that's going to do the stuff. But I think that there's a really big need for player agents and other kind of like lawyer ish professionals in the space. It's, it's hard for me to figure out who to refer people to in certain situations where I'm just like, I don't like this person, you know, random player needs this or random personality or whatever. Like, I just don't know. Oftentimes I'm like, I, there's nobody who I can really refer you to, or maybe there is, I don't, I don't know if they're very good at what they do. Uh, so I think it's a good path. I just don't, it's kind of weird. Um, it's a kind of a weird one, but I would talk yeah. to the people in the space, but I also wouldn't be afraid of like trying to kind of strike out on your own. It's just my, somehow you, you have to kind of start to build trust somehow. Yeah, yeah. My biggest thing is like, I live in Brooklyn. I live in New York and everything happens in LA. So that's yeah, going to be, you have to move transition. to LA. If you want to <laughs> yeah, work exactly. in esports in North America, you have to do it in LA unless you can maybe kind of make it work in the Bay area. But outside of California, you're pretty much screwed. Well, also, I would say, like, you know, esports isn't some like magical land of shit and stuff. Like, it's an industry like anything else. So, treat it like an industry like anything else. Like, how do you apply to a job at a Fortune 500 company or how do you apply to a job at Wall Street? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not any different. Like, there's a number of people who have player reps. You can go find out what's one of the companies they work for. For example, Press X is one that people work for. Find some contacts there, email them, you know. 
Mm-hmm. It's there's there's not like a, a silver bullet tip. It's it's a job that you're hunting for, like any other job that anyone else hunts for. So treat it like that. And it's it's not this this like connections only have to somehow get your foot in the door. To, I didn't have a foot in the door. I don't know how Parth got involved. I just blindly okay. emailed Steve and impressed him. So like blindly emailed right, Parth impressed built him. Built and can't sent no. a fuselage to Andy. And it was like, <laughs> look, look at what he I He built a plane and flew it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Andy. No, um, how did I get? Oh, I was just writing. I just uh, took basically a year off, started writing a bunch of shit. Uh, one point I put it up on Reddit and I hit the front page and then random people just started contacting me and then I slowly built my connections. That's also how Ovi did it. Uh, Ovi's a friend of mine that works at Catalyst and he, I think, I think that his story was he was about to take the bar exam and then decided he wanted to like go full time into esports. So he has like, he's like right there, you know, he could have done it, but decided not to. So you should probably still take your bar exam. Uh, but if you want (laughs) to. If you want to look up Ovi, you might be able to like. He's a pretty friendly guy. His, his Twitter handle is esports guy. Um, okay. You know, I think it's he. He might have some some advice for you too if you can get him to reply to you. All right, yeah, that's that's very helpful because I wasn't sure if it's like like Mark was saying if it's connection based or if it's not connection based. You know, I thought most of the time it's connection based, but I mean, like here, every every industry will be somewhat connection based. And yeah, connections yeah. obviously help, but like. A lot of us got started not because our friends dragged us in here. Most of us, like, you know, we found our opportunity. Yeah, Yeah, we did something. We found our opportunity, and then we made it so people didn't want to say no to us. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Well, everybody wants to say no to me, but I just, you know, I make it happen. (laughs) Well, yeah, Travis did it based off connections. He just became best friends with North America's best All right, let's move on. Hey, thank you so much, uh, Raging Penis, for your call. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, oh, we lost Mark. Damn it, Mark. I need to do a commercial. Uh, wait, we're going to go in the waiting room. We're going to see what happens when Mark's... What Mark's... Mark, uh, I'm, I'm going to do the commercial. I always say that he's... All right. I told him. I don't know what was going on there, but I, I hope he heard me. Listen, everybody. It's time to talk about something awesome. And that awesome thing, it's owned by HP. It is... Uh, they are our sponsor... They've been supporting the show uh, since a little bit into this year. I think they are the first and only sponsor we've ever had. Uh, so I want to, you know, it's just, it's really nice. It's really nice that they support the show. Twitch chat, you always go crazy for this. I know I've seen a lot of people tweet about them, uh, about the show and their support. Uh, I've seen Mark, Mark is doing something. Hopefully not showing a competitor pro- uh, product. Um, no, showing the headset. Okay. It's clear but in yeah. that shot. You should go uh, full yes, that. Yeah. that was great. Um, I'm, I've got their, their laptop right behind me. Uh, I'll be bringing this with me to MSI, uh, if or when I go, it's probably more of a win at this point. Uh, but you know, they, they just, they make this whole thing work. Uh, and I, I super appreciate it. I know you guys do. I see people talk about them on Reddit. I see people talk about them on Twitter. Uh, you know, they support everything from, from Overwatch League all the way down to, uh, to this show. But you know what? I, I honestly kind of feel like. You guys are such big fans of the show. You're even louder in your support of Omen by HP than those Overwatch people. You know, I don't, I don't see people tweeting about their support of Overwatch. Like, I think it's safe to say you guys have embraced them so much that, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in the meetings, but they might even think uh, that this is a better investment. I want to thank you guys so much for supporting uh, Omen by HP. Uh, you know, they, they do a lot of really cool things. We're probably going to do a little giveaway 
uh, soon. They you can check out their Twitch page. It's uh, twitch.tv slash omenbyhp. They create content with uh, CLG, which is an LCS team that they sponsor. Um, they've just been doing a lot of really great stuff. I'm sure they've got even cooler stuff around the corner. And I I don't know, man. I just uh, they're great. Mark thinks they're great because they're probably the only income he has right now. You know? Hmm. Only active income for sure. Okay, okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the whole point here. Oh, Mark can eat because of Ovid by HP. He'd be... And the only reason I have this California Chicken Cafe Arnold Palmer is because of HP by Omen. No, but legitimate. We joke around, but they're a great sponsor. I want to thank them so much. You guys should follow them on Twitter. You should follow them on Twitch. You should hit them up. It's really cool that they support the show. Uh, they create awesome products that I use all the time. I'm using the monitor right now. I'm, I'm using the desktop to broadcast it. They've supported a ton of cool stuff that I've done. Uh, hopefully, I have some more cool stuff coming with them uh, soon in the future that I'll be able to talk about. Uh, and so thank you so much to Owen by HP for sponsoring the show. All right, Mark, I think we're ready for our next caller. Omen by HP, yeah. what I say. Yeah, the, the next caller. <laughs> Do you say HP by Omen? Yeah. Yeah, actually, the gaming brand has gotten so big, it's supporting the whole thing. <laughs> they Th- bought them out. <laughs> Thick Gravy is on the show tonight. How's it going, Thick Gravy? Oh, uh, great. <laughs> that's, good. that's good to hear, man. Uh, where are you calling from? Could be going bad. Uh, from Tokyo, Japan. From Tokyo, Japan. We've had so many international callers recently. That's so cool. I, you know, I have not been to Japan. Uh, it's like on my tier one list of places I need to go. Um, I, I hope that I can go soon. Uh, do you, hey, tell me, is the League of Legends community cool there? Uh, the the <laughs> university is like they're they're having campaign on like leaks so hard, but on the the general player, I think, is not that much. Not that many people. Well, do you have First, friends yeah, that play really pushing League of Legends a lot? Yeah. Do you have friends that play League? Like, do you have a good amount of friends in? Not Japanese. Oh, okay. Well, I still hope to visit. I think it's uh, that's pretty cool. Do you watch? This is the last personal question I'll ask. Do you watch a lot of anime? Because Mark is a big anime guy. Mm, not not these days you're my that's that's the answer i was looking for thank you so Mark, much the gravy what do you want to talk about on the, the show Japanese today guy. on your interview on like on like youtube on your channel uh when you interview double leaf or Birk, they always say part they're always defending part and like always mention that part is like the best coach i ever had like i just want to ask part personally like like how close you are with your player and like until you got your like so many respect from them. Parth, why what is it about your time as a coach that allowed you to command such respect from the players? Like what did you do that that's deserving of this? Uh I'm just first of all, I'm still close with a lot of the players, even the ones that um went to different teams. Like I still get with Peter sometimes or Vincent. I would get food with Dennis, but he always bails on me. So Dennis calling you out right now. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't say like, I still don't think that I was like, I'm not the complete coach that a team or at least an LCS team needs to be. I was just very good at taking it and using the information that the players had and organizing them in a way that made sense. Because I think 
the one strength that players, pro players have is that have they have a lot of in-depth knowledge of how to play the game, how to play their role. Um, but what they don't understand is how like the whole system kind of fits together. Like how should player A sacrifice in order for B to happen? How should, um, how can the decisions that we make now impact like the next 10 minutes of the game? And so I think while I don't think I ever had like the concrete or the best answers, I think it's equally a skill of a coach to be able to both come up with like a theory or recognize like what you need to change, gather feedback and figure out like a process of here's how we're going to figure this problem out. And then you go from step A to step B to step C and then either resolve the problem or make sure that at least it is um, you've concluded that discussion to at least some sort of satisfaction so you can move on. Um, the hardest thing about like coaching or working with a professional team is you can always recognize problems and that's always true. Like even on even Reddit or um, analysts um, outside of the team will recognize the problems that a team is having. But the biggest challenge is how do you take the problem that you recognize and go about solving it? And I think I just had like a good skill set for problem solving and not necessarily having like a base knowledge of the problems that existed. Yeah, so, so I think the big thing I also did that I think other coaches kind of overdo is I never overstepped the thing on the, in the part aspects of the, of my job that I wasn't good at. So like, I wouldn't try to like discipline my players super hard because that's not like the personality I have, or I wouldn't like enforce like my personal beliefs about X part of the game, because I recognize that they have a lot more, they have like a stronger skill set in that regard. Like I would never tell Bjergsen how to play his lane because there's no way that I would know better than he would. Um, but I see a lot of coaches that mess up that kind of try to do both of those things. Um, and it's like one of the things that I kind of really don't like. Uh, yeah. So I think like for a concrete example, like I'm sure if someone asked Parth, like, what do you think about how this matchup plays? Like he, like, I think what he's saying is like, he's not the guy who's going to be like, Oh, I've played that matchup because I'm a super high rated player. And I have like, rather than giving you the answer of how to play that matchup, he would probably be able to work you through different ways to play the matchup. And then like the player could find themselves. So it's like the difference of having an answer and then being able to find an answer for somebody or help them find it. Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I, I've know from Peter is that, it, uh, you, I think part of the reason is that, that people, you command a lot of respect from these players is you don't just come in as strictly a coach. I feel like you also like are a pretty good mentor to, you know, young adults that are kind of trying to figure out how to be, how to make it in the world. Uh, do you think that that's fair? Cause you, I feel like you've, you've mentored these guys and given them a lot of help and like support and areas that aren't, aren't just in the game or as a team? Um, I think just naturally every coach or person in like a position of authority when they're working with anyone from like 18 to 23 year olds has to be a little bit of a mentor. Um, I don't think I like went out of my way to do that. I actually think that... And you grab dinner with well, these guys still and like check in on them. Dude, I mean, I'm not like... I genuinely enjoy and care for them and enjoy the company. Yeah, Tony so. doesn't get dinner with like, Peter. I know Tony watches this show. Yeah, I don't, I don't get yeah, okay. with anybody either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, but, I, that I, I think stands so sociable. Can't you tell by his yeah. coming on talk shows with his friends? <laughs> um, no, cause 
I like philosophically, I really believe that if you're going to be in competitive League of Legends or anything like like a high level of competition where like there are 67 million people who play this game. And if you want to be at some point the best, um, despite of despite how hard that may seem, like everyone who has been on TSM has the goal that you can you have the base skill in order to compete with everyone, even the best teams. You just have to get there at a certain point and you have to be willing to do the grind. And my philosophy was just based around the idea that you either have to work, you have to work harder than everyone else and smarter than everyone else. And then everything else kind of just falls into place from that. Um, like, I, I don't think I did very much special than like care for the players that I had and go through like the philosophies of how we wanted to treat everything that we did. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think you're probably underselling yourself a little bit just based off what I've seen, at least in the esports scene, where I always felt like there were a lot of people who just like lacked a lot of general competencies beyond like the specifics of being good at League of Legends. And I always felt like that was one of the things that I brought. And I'm sure you were very much the same way where it's like, you should, you should be doing things that like, you should think about these outcomes. And it was a lot more about like general problem solving and logic and rationale and like procedure than it was about like, yo, this is the best way to play a zero versus Victor. And like, while that's useful, you also have five players who are pros and like a coach bringing in something that's more lacking in the scene was at least when I was coaching and I was, you know, I started when there weren't really any, it wasn't any infrastructure. Like that was way more valuable in my mind than like, Hey, here's another, like, here's how I think we should play two B ones guys. Even though like, you know, I did plenty of that as well. I think it'll become more prominent in the next three or five years because first there needs to be a scene in which like pro comp, like a good competition needs to exist. And then you need, good coaches who devote a lot of time to learn all the skills that they need to. And then on top of that, there's also going to be players who retire, who are actually co more competent than the ones that we see currently coaching and running professional teams. So I think in four to five years, it will trend in that direction. Um, I just don't think that the scene is there yet and there's nothing you can do except wait and give it time. Yeah. I don't think you can just like brute force by like, yeah. like I think a couple of teams tried it TSM one as well, where they tried to bring in like more experienced coaches from the outside world and teach them League of Legends. And I, I would say that universally failed. Like, yeah. I don't think I anyone. Mean, I mean, we've at TSM, since I've been there, we've gone through every sort of iteration of like a type of coach. First, we had like Loco, who was like the first coach, um, I think in NA, I want to say that's true. Um, and then after Loco, we sort of tried was the he, outside approach. I think Monty was before, right? For CLG. Yeah, technically Monty was the first. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, like Monty Loco era. I still think in order to coach a team like this, you have to be on site, but yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, <laughs> I mean, you like Mark, you know, like there's no way you can like remote coaching yeah. is just way too hard. Like, there's too many social dynamics that you will never get told about if you're not there to witness them. Yeah. And like, as the coach, you need to be able to fix those. And it's just like, you, you have to be there. Yeah. Like at TSM, we went through Loco and then the next plan was we're going to get like a two man system where one person works on just everything outside of the game, which is supposed to be Casey. And then we got Jarge. Um, I think both were not necessarily qualified for their positions uh, when we hired them. So that's kind of where I was a stopgap. Um, and then 
I recognize that when I started coaching, I was super deficient at recognizing like a lot of dynamics in terms of how to build habits, how to recognize parts of communication. That's actually two things that Weldon really helped me with when he joined the team in 20, the end of 2016 um, that I did better at 2017. But then I do think that last Worlds, I hit like a plat. I basically hit a plateau in which case in which I don't think I could influence the team faster than the other coaches who had higher base knowledge than I did. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Andy's part in TSM right now. What is Andy's part in TSM? Like, is that what you're asking? Well, uh, like, what is his like role? Andy is the CEO of the company. Uh, he doesn't, he actually hasn't, outside of being to the LCS games, he actually hasn't interacted with the team very much. Um, he wanted this year to be like the year where he takes a step back. He assembled the roster and the staff that we were looking for. Um, and yeah, outside of like going to LCS games and cheering the team on and cursing very loudly when we lost, I don't think Andy's been involved at all. So there, there's a couple of things in Twitch chat and like one of the call, a couple of the calls are already asking some questions similar to this. So we might actually end up having to jump callers pretty quickly, but one, somebody's asking, why is it, why is the coach need to know uh, matchups if that's going to be a player responsibility thing? And my opinion on it is like the coach helps the players see the big picture. And if you don't understand the matchup, you're not going to be able to like help get the team aligned at all because it's like, yeah, we'll just play GP and R and it'll be fine. But like, if you don't understand, you know, that your top laner is going to need pressure at points or maybe need help if he's struggling, the like just knowing the matchups so that you can help inform the rest of the team, how that matchup's going to go is really important. So you, you need to be able to understand matchups, but it's not necessarily like this is exactly how you play it. And these are the good counter picks and like that situation Like you yeah. need to be able to work with the player. That's my take on it. Even if you don't understand matchups, you either you need to know enough to contextualize the information the players tell you like the players can be like oh i can win this matchup like 90 percent of the time and then you watch the games and you're like oh that's not necessarily true and you have to distinguish between like the player being overconfident versus the player like actually being accurate and not going right in a particular scrim because x y and z things happened um so you definitely need enough knowledge to be able to form a context around the information that's thrown around cool Hey, I want to thank you so much for calling in, Thick Gravy. I really appreciate it. All, all the way from Japan. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks. All right. Um, moving on to the next caller. Uh, really quickly, uh, we've got Miseroli subbed, Ross Geller, Kaito subbed, Ateo Rachel sent 100 bits. Thank you, Rachel. Rachel uh, is one of the founders of Ateo. I'm wearing their hoodie right now on stream you guys can check them out they're a friend of mine they do cool stuff they did sponsor two of my videos but this is not a sponsored show by them but the hoodie is very comfortable uh mark bullied his way into one kind of hey mark uh xl 182 ss is on the show what are you uh where are you calling from xl I'm calling from San Jose, California. From San Jose, California. A little closer than Tokyo. Uh, yeah. How's San Jose? Cold, but good. Cold, but good. Okay. What do you want to talk about on the show today? Um, I want to talk, ask Parth, uh, especially after Worlds 2017, I think it was. 
um, you got a year. lot. Of, you got you got a lot of heat from Reddit and Twitter and social media in general. Mm-hmm. Personally, I feel a lot of it was uh, like not un- unfair. But I was curious if you ever gotten any po- not positive, but any feedback that you actually use with the team and with yourself and with the organization overall. I don't understand the question. Uh, he was asking, like, has Reddit ever actually been a useful source of feedback where you're like, oh, that might be a problem or, oh, that's an interesting stat or something like that, I think. You kind of touched on it on the last, uh, the last caller, but I was curious if you had, like, specific examples. The only one example that pops into my head was when Runeclave Ezreal first became a thing. That's it. <laughs> like, we, someone made a post about it. I looked it up. I'm like, holy shit. Like messaged Birig and he's like, holy shit. And then we spammed the shit out of it that week and we played it both games that weekend. Yeah, Did you lose both those games? That. What? No, we won one, lost they one. They won one, yeah. We barely yeah. won one. Was, that the, which, was it later than that you had that Vi game with the Ezreal? That was the second game, I think. Okay, because I remember watching that, that week's TSM Legends and I remember scrimming you guys that fucking week and it was just the most obnoxious bullshit ever. <laughs> I mean, that champion with that item was obnoxious bullshit. Yeah, that was so funny. What uh, what is the general relationship with Reddit? Do you ever tell the players not to read it? Like if if they're having a slump? Uh, the younger players, like I'll tell Mike sometimes to keep off Reddit because when he first joined, but all the other players are sort of mature enough to know what their relationship with Reddit is going to be like. And so I don't really touch it very much. What is your relationship with Reddit? I read it on occasion, but it's never like... A very defining relationship in any way okay it's not it's not a defining yeah. relationship like even on twitter i have like that thing where i only get notifications from people i follow okay so are you aware of any other situations where uh some sort of strategy or you know reddit has caused some sort of spark to happen in the league of legends space uh, I mean, I've, I've found like random interesting tidbits on Reddit before. Like, uh, yeah. so oh, one wants- thing I would recommend is that ignore like the main Reddit. Uh, if you want to learn a champion at like a somewhat high level, I would recommend going to like that specific champions subreddit. And they usually have like interesting or cool tips or like advanced common combos or stuff you can do. So that is, is something there, there's that there's like an RE subreddit. There's like Rengar mains, cat yeah, mains, the mains oh, one. Mains. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That is yeah. something that I recommend players to go to. I actually I'm trying to learn Caitlyn right now, and I went there and I learned the tricks about uh, hiding the traps behind the, uh, the towers. Yeah. And I was catching people left and right. Like I went from a really like I was below twenty percent win rate to now I'm at a fifty five percent win rate with her just just off that alone because people don't look. And they're dumb. It's just free damage, free kill. Enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can. That getting nerfed. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sad about that. But hopefully she won't get nerfed too bad or I can just go back to Jinx or an MF because they're, they're good for the climb. Yeah. I think uh, sometimes you see, it's not necessarily always the most applicable information, but I've, I've found that like someone on Reddit pretty often does like a weird, like detailed analysis on some point. That's interesting to me. So like, I remember when, back in curse at one point someone did like something about gold graphs and like we actually had like a really insane first 15 minutes of the game or something or i forget what it was but it was something that was interesting about our team that like i didn't know and it was interesting about other teams and like where their strengths were and this was back before like 
Oracle's Elixir was the site and stuff like that. So there weren't that many like gold information things. Yeah. I actually have all. So I only super got into competitive league because we ran like a third party fantasy league. And so I just had like spreadsheets of all of the shit before I joined. Hmm. Um, I emailed Riot in 2014, like this 25 page paper on why Riot should make a fantasy league. And I like talked to Chopper and Waylon, I think, about it. And then they never told me. They just asked me very specific questions. And then two <laughs> weeks later, they released like the the fantasy beta. So if that's the case, I need to thank you. Because for the past three splits, I've won dinner off my friends because of that. Nice. Because I've, been, win- I've been, been winning our league. So thank you for the free stakes. You're awesome for that. <laughs> and hey, thanks so much, Excel, for calling in. All right, thank you. Oh, can I give a shout out real quick? Uh, okay. okay. I'm in my HP. <laughs> oh, hey, that's great. Thank you for that shout. That's a great shout out. Or he's nervous thank when you. somebody says they're going to give a shout out. You know. Never- <laughs> Thanks so thank much. Thank you. Parth, I just remember thinking back about like the old season four days. Dylan joined before you, right? Yeah. And then it was really funny because it seemed like local liked you more because he always included you and shit on social media. Was there a weird social dynamic between the three of you? I don't know if this is too personal of a question. Um, I don't know. Maybe a little, but I never thought of it that way. Because the reason I went down to, because I was supposed to be only be online, right? The reason I went to LA for the first time was because I was interviewing with SpaceX. And so I just asked Loco, can I come like watch scrims for a day? And he's like, oh, just hang out here for like X period of time. Um, and so that's the only reason why I even got to meet like Loco and the team at all. Hmm. But what, in terms what of were dynamic, you more impressed by the SpaceX facility or the TSM house? I didn't, uh, the TSM house was something that was like back in like the old days where like Dyer, Centaur and Loco would be sharing yeah. like one of the master rooms. Yeah. What's, what's the weirdest like living situation that you've had to put up with due to esports? Oh, this is easy. Um, I So at one point, Santorin moved to a different room. Uh, so when I moved in, I initially, for like two weeks, shared a room with Loco and Dyrus. It was like a giant room. There's like enough room for all of us. At night, I swear to God, Dyrus and Loco both sleep talk. And Dyrus is very aggressive. Like, <laughs> I just woke up one night to Dyrus, like, while asleep, saying, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. So that was terrifying. And then the second one was... One time I woke up where Darius and Loco were both asleep, but they were talking to each other. So yeah, that was probably my weirdest esports moment. Damn. I later found out that a lot of people from season four TSM actually had like weird things they did while asleep. Turtle did it too. Like he Turtle used to sleepwalk. So yeah. Damn, we didn't have anything like that. We just had like weirder setups. But not as interesting of action. Funny story. The only reason why I ended up hanging out with uh, Doublelift was because I went to interview at NASA and then went to the Cheesecake Factory afterwards and met him. You know, funny. That's not what happened. I don't know. Do you even have a degree, Travis? We should move on to the next caller. Scene has subbed. Thank you so much to Scene and YPS resub for six months. Uh, pretty great. 
pretty great uh, subs. Great to get those subs in. You guys are fantastic people. Uh, Parth. Hi. How's things going? I went to. Have you been to Destroyer before? I'm sorry, but not. Have you been to Destroyer? It is a yes, restaurant. Yes, I, I, I have not. Okay. I, why would I, anyone call the, call a restaurant the Destroyer? It's just called Destroyer. Oh my god, dude! Fuck that place. Yeah. Is it the one that you tweeted out? Yeah, Spelzy took me there today. That seems like food that my food eats. It was so. so <laughs> there was burrata in that bowl at the bottom. And okay, that makes it slightly better. And and mushroom and like that was just like the top of it, but it's it was a really zany place. It's like all of it's like it feels so underprepared in some sense, where it's like, here's the food, I put something on it, now eat it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'll pass on that one though. Thank you. So someone someone took me there. It's like a one of those it's like, yeah, you know, maybe we can work out a deal where we work on something and it's kinda like that's where they took me, and I was just like, "What, <laughs> what do I order here? <laughs> like, how do I not act grossed out?" <laughs> it was so awkward. I I think True Food Kitchen is like my limit of. Wait, True True Food Kitchen is good. super normal. Yeah, I know it's it's good, but it's like it's more health focused. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's yeah, the like, limit of your health focus. Yeah, that is the limit of my health focus. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, we've got I'm also Mark on the show right now. I'm also hey. Mark. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. Just studying for finals. It's kind of late over here. Nice. Where are you calling from? I'm calling in from uh, State College, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. All right. Well, what do you got for us tonight? Um, well, I think overall coaching in like League of Legends still hasn't fully matured, especially in like the Western um, scene. And I feel like teams, uh, especially when like franchising just started, don't really know what they want from coaches yet. And I think this is why you see a lot of like returning names and kind of the old guard coaches like loco um like just kind of staying around and i think it's kind of also caused in a like a bloating in the amount of coaching staff that per team that you see a lot more analysts or other more like fringe niche people in the coaching staff well sorry what was the question he's making a statement so part part's not used to the show sometimes people just come in and they think something and that's you, ideal you need to be that's yeah, actually yeah. what we prefer is people are just like i oh, think coaching staffs are bloating and there's recycled talent they all suck balls okay yeah, i think this is the part where you tell me i'm wrong right <laughs> i mean <laughs> i i mean technically you're right but what's the alternative like um, are you going to put together like an incredible uh team and then just bet it all on like a rookie coach no but i feel like i feel like focusing i feel like a lot of teams are now bringing like korean coaches i think like um what team was it that had rapid star now i think it's like they brought in quest yeah fly quest has rapid star um c9 famously brought in like reaper do you guys have song now and kane kane is the first korean coach who's won na yeah i feel like it's just a weird approach to coaching where you have you bring in these Korean coaches who don't know the culture. Um, they don't speak the language and then they have a lot of game knowledge, but the communication is kind of lacking between the coach and the player. And then, um, I don't feel like you really need to teach players more game knowledge. I feel like coaches should just be like facilitators where they help the players kind of form more, more robust ways of thinking about the game rather than kind of teaching them the game. Because if you have to teach a player the game, I feel like you should just find a different player. Well, it's, it's a mixed bag, right? Like 
every team is going to need a different type of coach. Like, um, say a team like Golden Guardians, who, as Hunter said yesterday, is like a very development-focused org, uh, and they do want to work with a lot of rookies. It makes sense to have like an experienced coach with a lot of game knowledge to help train them in aspects of their role. Uh, whereas if you have a team like the current TL, where all five players are like veterans who've been playing around for like multiple years, you don't necessarily need that. So there is like a middle ground, just depends on like the players uh, that you have. There's some teams where they have clear like leadership roles within the team. Like say a team has someone like Hai or Peter or Bjergsen, you don't necessarily need someone who's like authoritative and needs to be that kind of person. Um, whereas if you have like, a more calmer team like let me think maybe clutch clutch is a team where i don't think anyone has like a very like loud personality you could do with a coach who um can help like lead a set of direction so i think every team has like a different dynamic and it just depends on the org whether or not you want to build your roster and then bring in a coach or have a coach that you trust and that you build a roster around. Because if you look at examples, CLG is a team where the entire, like their roster for the last two and a half years has been built around uh, Tony and the environment and the structure that he wants to set. Whereas um, there are other teams who always like get, who believe in like certain players and build the roster around them and then they add the coach. So I think every org right now does it very uniquely. Um, but I do think at some point it'll get to uh, where every org has a philosophy that they're comfortable with and they know what kind of coach and like roster they have. And you'll see a lot more um, longevity in that space. But right now, I think it's a pretty mixed bag of what org, every org wants to do. But Parth, Reddit, Reddit told me that you need a coach who's going to 1v9 and tell them all exactly what to do and get everyone on the exact same page and be a leader and all that. What do you what are you telling me that someone doesn't need to do that sometimes? Yeah, I don't think any coach can or will ever one v nine. There's like few instances, but I don't I don't think I don't think coaches had have made or broken. Okay, I guess I can't make that statement because I also don't know like the intricacies of what other coaches do. Um, but I think the impact of coaches is very unknown right now. I'll put it that way. What do you what do you think about Coma? Do you think he was close to like based off what you've read and maybe if you've have any inside information? Like, do you think Coma is someone who's close to one v nine? Because I think the community sometimes thinks of him that way. Um, I don't know anything about Coma. I've read some about him, and then I also the one thing I do know about Coma is like he always like. He's super chill when he's outside of the scrim room. Like every time I've seen Koma, he's like grabbing a drink with like impact or something, or like he's super jovial as a character. So I can never see him like in that like break out the belt meme. Um, but I'm sure it might exist to an extent. What do you think of Zixlaw? Of- just like between us. I think he's really cool. I think he is just <laughs> like a person. <laughs> no, no, yeah, he, I think he's cool, but he I sucks. Think, yeah. So in Actually, Dylan will back me up on this. In 2016, no, not 2016, 2015, every time we we would prep like draft scenarios, um, we would always have like 20 or 30 or some amount that we were going in with like a base. And there'd be like one or two we would always highlight being like, this is the worst case scenario. Tony was the one coach who would consistently like 
find that one scenario on stage against us. So. So yeah, you um, love Tony. Yeah, I'm, I'm in love with Tony. Exactly. No, no, I think Tony is one of the few coaches that I think deserves to win an NA coach of the split award, but hasn't. Doesn't but, I mean, he kind of validate not winning it, though, because if you think other people haven't deserved it and they've won it, then it's almost better that he doesn't also get thrown in that same category. He'll just always be on that. There's another I, fact. Well, if enough coaches stay the same, the new thing about NALCS is no coach has won the coach of the split award twice. I think that's true. Really? So at some point it'll get to Tony. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's some weird ones, right? Like, cause Chris won it, right? Who? The CLG uh, coach. CLG Chris? No. Oh, okay. I thought there, there's been some weird ones where like, technically you didn't win it once. Cause well, no, cause, won it cause like that, that was, cause that was, no, no, no. The split that CLG won, Peter won it because TL ended up first in the regular season. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no coach has won it twice in NA. So eventually, I'll get to Tony. Vital says Tony is Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, but Leo won one eventually. Yeah. So eventually for the Revenant. Yeah, I mean that movie was Jesus too long. <laughs> I, that I was that was just like such a like grow a beard, roll around the mud, act distressed, you'll get an Oscar. Like I don't know. Yeah, he's, yeah. Done, he's done better work. It was sad yeah. that that's what won it. Hey, I'm also Mark, you're still here. Mm-hmm. Uh do you do you have any additional <laughs> thoughts or questions for Parth? Um well I guess I had like two more questions. I think one can get answered a little quickly. I was just wondering, um, do you think like you'll see like a like a homogenizing of coaches where all become like more similar to each other as the like the league gets older? Or do you think you'll still see like this split? where different teams want different types of coaches? Uh, I don't... It's um, hard to tell. I, I personally don't think you'll see that because one thing about coaches in traditional sports um, that I think actually draws them closer together is you have more people. So, like, you have benches and all this other stuff. Uh, there's, like, rotations of players that you swap in and out. Um, and with league, it's like, there's five core guys that you want to work with nonstop. And then like the coach and like those six people, because they work so much tighter together need to find a solution that works for them. And that might vary. Whereas like when you have 30 or 20 players or 25, whatever the number is 50, if you're on the, if you're on football, like you have a, a larger separation because you are less intertwined with any individual person. Whereas the low player count means that the coach works much closer in proximity than in, in any other like traditional sports comparison. I think mm-hmm. I it's more like, it's more like a, it's more like a golf coach in that way. where like golf caddy slash coaches all perform like really different functions for, for like their golf. From my understanding, at least I should probably not talk that much about golf. Mm-hmm. Tiger and Lake. I was also, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, um, I was also wondering, <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't know if you're going to go anywhere with the Tiger no, no, Woods. No, no, no. I was chiming in, you know, <laughs> Uh, um, I was also just wondering, do you think you kind of see like a slimming down of uh, like the overall coaching staff as the league gets older? Because I feel like now there's just a lot of kind of, I don't want to say unnecessary people, but I feel like there's a lot of like um, jobs that have been split into two jobs. Like I feel like one person could do some of the jobs that multiple people are doing now in the scene. While that's a little bit true, every team and org is still trying to 
figure out, like, no staff member stays with you forever, right? So say you have like your coach and assistant coach and that's all you technically need. Uh, you can't really rely on either of them sticking around for like ever. Um, and even analysts that you end up getting, you have to sort of have backups and more. And so every split, you have to have like one or two analysts, even though you're not using them fully to at least be training. So in case something happens or if they end up specializing or in some case, um, you just need to have more than just like the, the two people, even though you might not necessarily need them entirely. Does that mean yeah, you I think that Tony will eventually leave CLG? Uh, I don't know. You can't ask Tony. I'm sure he's in Discord. Or yeah, somewhere. He's, he's in chat. I saw him. He doesn't yeah, come on him. the Discord. He always hides from the Discord, but he's in Twitch chat. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. I don't think I necessarily agree with like your premise that the coaching staffs are bloating necessarily because I think having a main coach and assistant coach is very, very important because it gives like a dynamic for them to bounce off each other where sometimes if you just have one coach, you can probably feel pretty bad. Um, and then like there's analysts and you can break those out into a lot of different roles when you really come down to it, like scouting other regions, scouting teams within your own region. There's people who are going to kind of be doing your grunt work for your own team about like track this stuff in scrims. And then you can also look at, uh, positional coaches and maybe those people need more game knowledge experience. And so you, you can end up with a, if you find the right people, I think a pretty robust coaching staff. And I don't think every team is there yet so i don't i don't think I, i'm ready to call it bloating yet yeah but for example like, would really like to know your answer about if tony's gonna leave clg in the future he's in twitch chat right now <laughs> yelling he's like what do you think Parth? if tony's ever gonna leave clg yeah i don't know <laughs> are you tony good you answer can, you okay. can you can message me yeah probably okay. whoa poaching whoa <laughs> jesus <laughs> Um, all right, so we kind of wrapped up the bloating conversation, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. or about, mm -hmm. about teams being bloated. Uh, thank you so much. I'm also Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, uh, moving on to the next caller. Uh, would like to... <laughs> uh, Twitch chat. Uh, would like to give a shout-out to Shidler9, uh, Boba Kohler, Gifted a Sub to Vital, Blogio NM, Boba Kohler, Gifted a Sub to Nick Allen, and uh, two Nguyen 397 subbed as well. So thank you, everybody. Also, uh, it is the last day of the month to hit up uh, Patreon. I'm going to be doing an AMA for the higher sub tier people. Or the other thing, too, is if you have previously subbed or patronized Travis, now you should go and undo it in case you forgot. Yeah, because earlier I tweeted, like, it was the last day to, to sub to my Patreon. And somebody just, the only thing that happened was somebody took away their subs. So they remembered that they were about to get charged and canceled it. So I'm down on the day, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to be doing an AMA for people uh, on the, the Patreon. Uh, finding peace is here. How's it going? Finding peace. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Daytona beach, Florida, Daytona beach, Florida. Don't they have a, um, like a race that happens there? <laughs> yeah. The Daytona 500. Yeah. Nice. All right. See, I know, I know about your city. I'm an expert, really. Is there, <laughs> uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? I wanted to talk about kind of the problems with teams and uh, how they go to fix about problems. And I guess my question is, if problems are so obvious to a lot of the analysts, especially on the analyst desk and people like Mark and Parth, 
um, how come teams aren't improving at such faster rates than they are? Uh, and I know we don't know that uh, the things that go on behind the scenes and uh, the internal problems, because a lot of it is, you know, within the team itself. But if the problems are so consistent over weeks, then how come if it's so obvious to everyone else that teams aren't improving faster? That's a very complicated question. I'll just use an example. Um, so one of the big issues that TSM had last year was that, um, and I think Dennis got too much flack for this, which was they said that Dennis wasn't, he was too aggressive, but also indecisive. Um, he didn't like have an impact in the early game. And so um, the real reason behind that problem, the problem was that Dennis was being influenced by factors that weren't necessarily his fault. Um, for example, we would have an early game. We basically had like level ones planned for like a different, a bunch of different setups and then early game plans in terms of what we wanted to do for our team comp two function against like the one they had. Um, but I think Kevin Hanser and double both had like a very, um, like a similar play style or approach to the way that they played. And so the more stress or pressure that got put on them, um, the more they sort of went back to like this one system. And so for example, at Worlds, Dennis, at least in the practice, Dennis ended up just bouncing between Hanser and Peter. Like Hanser would take a trade and be like, oh, Dennis, I need you to cover me. Just drop like that one um, camp and come cover me. And then Dennis would go cover him and Dennis would be like, okay, I just covered for Kevin. He got his base off. He's going to come back on the map. I need to go jungle down and take all these camps before I can do anything else. So we'll take Dragon in like two or three minutes. And then by the time Dennis is done, like taking one camp or two camp, uh, Peter and Vincent would like get into like some weird trade or something would happen out that's out of their control. And then Dennis would be forced down there. Um, and so in many cases, Dennis was forced to like Dennis, wasn't very authoritative in terms of what he wanted to do. Um, and that was more of a personality thing and not necessarily like something that we, even though we tried to fix and help him help give him like what help give him like ideas or ways that he could influence or adapt or change on the spot. Um, those were just built through experience and um, it took, it had to have been the entire team who had to recognize this as an issue and each solve like their own individual problems in solving it. And so the small, the overarching problem that Red said was Dennis didn't do anything in the early game and came down to like a very like complicated situation of how, what our plan was in the early game, how the early game went, what like weird things happened in the side lanes and how they expected Dennis to react to it. And that entire pressure is something that Dennis, neither Dennis nor the players could really do for each other. And that's one system in which it was hard to see from the outside, but it's super complicated on the inside to fix. Yeah. And like, I think there's a lot of situations with players where forgetting skill, right? Cause it's like, that's another thing too, is like some players you get in mismatches and they, they can't quite like play the matchup, how they're playing versus somebody else. Like I, I think Bjergsen is a player who is kind of notorious for doing this to people where like, you play the matchup versus the rest, especially back in the day before, I think, I think other mid laners have caught up a lot to Bjergsen, but like in season four, like in season five, like you, you would play somebody and you would play this matchup and it would go fine. Then you play Bjergsen and he would dick you. And then like <laughs> whatever else problems that you have on your team are suddenly like exacerbated. And so like forgetting that there's skill gaps in, in the league as well, like a lot of the problems 
go back to like play style and decision making and who people are like more on a fundamental level than just League of Legends. Like a player who is aggressive and tailing those tendencies to to teach them when to play safe and like how to shift their mindset and like that kind of stuff is a lot more difficult than just being like you died here by being pushed too far up stop doing that because you ha- it's like a more root problem than just that it's like how they think as a as a player and it's the opposite is true as well like you're not playing aggressive enough when you could have pushed this lead harder you you didn't really do it and then like this is a, a matchup that we picked you to win it's jace versus this and you, you played a little scared and now we don't have a lead where we thought we'd have a lead and like those those problems can be much deeper than just game knowledge and and those are hard to fix i think i i actually totally get that but i guess what makes me the most curious about it is uh when those issues get pointed out like hey you weren't aggressive enough in the early in the early game since garen for example um so would that not be something you would bring back to scrims through the week you would work on it entirely through the week like hey you know we just noticed that you should be doing this better you could be doing this better or you just need to focus on being this type of style during the week, during scrims and during practice. And then the next week, you know, you just have the same problem over again. Would that, does that like not play a factor and it still comes back to how you are like as a player, like mentality wise or. Well, so like that example you just gave is, is not actionable, right? Like when you, when you give feedback to a player, it needs to be actionable, like be more aggressive. Like well, what the fuck does that really mean? You know, like you need to find out what that really means as well as handling the social dynamics of it. Uh, like what Parth was saying, a lot of that problem was like how their players interact with each other, never mind what Sven's individual problems are with it. Like it, it, it's very complex situations that lead to pretty binary out- looking outputs where it's like you die too much on invades. It's like, all right, but like that can, that can lead to a lot of like, maybe your warning is not good enough. And it's because these things and someone doesn't do the right thing on the top side. Like it's, it's a very complex game. I think that looks a certain way, like player dies, bad play, but like uh, an uncountable number of things can lead to that situation. So is it more like ghost hunting to find the root of a problem then? Or is there like some kind of basis where you go, I mean, you, you know, like you said, it could be any reasons why you're doing it. Maybe your warding's not good enough. Maybe your pathing isn't the smartest. But then are you not just ghost hunting to find a reason? Is that why it, it maybe is taking a little longer to improve on certain areas? Uh, what do you mean ghost hunting? Like, are you just kind of burning out and doing random things? I mean, what you're saying is, what you're basically saying is that there's only one problem and you need to, you have an entire week to address it, but that's not true. At the end of the week, you have to like identify, okay, the next week's coming. Here's our next week's opponents. Here's how we're going to change up. Like, um, here's the priorities that and the champions that we're going to increase and decrease. Here's like the goals that we need to set both team wide and individually for each player that we need to improve on. Cause it's not like one problem for one person that's persistent. It's like all five players have multiple problems and the team has multiple issues that you need to resolve during that week it's not like you can just spend the entire week trying to fix one thing and it'll like make your team drastically better so it kind of does get diminished a little bit because you're like you are trying to fix a lot of other issues um one example is like and no one like really saw this but in 2016 when like tsm was winning a lot um we actually created a lot of bad habits in terms of with players because they would play a lot of super aggressive um, and not get really punished for it. Um, And so we had to make a conscious decision to basically change our play style in order for it to 
be more comprehensive. And so one of the things that we were criticized against in our when we won against CLG in the semis of 2016 summer was that we had like a five to six K goal lead, but we were playing basically we were playing in a way that we thought that would maximize our chance of winning. But everyone else who saw the game said that, oh, TSM is being super indecisive about winning this game. They must be nervous or scared. And so the things that you see that are problems and vice versa, there's a lot of things underneath the surface that all teams and all players and all staff members are working on. And just because you see a problem, it might not even be like the biggest problem that everyone else in the team sees. Yeah. And that's on top of the fact that like the game's changing too. So like, you don't just yeah. get to sit in a vacuum and fix people. You have to address like, well, holy shit. I didn't know Scion did that. And then that's like another problem. Like, well, what do we do with Scion strategically? Like those, those are issues that you need to talk over as a team because there's a finite number of resources. And now instead of just fixing the fact that one player isn't aggressive enough or something, it's like, there's a whole new champion that's out. Where does this affect everyone's priorities? Because now we're changing our bands up and that means these matchups are open and you have to, there's a finite amount of time to, to work on all this stuff. Yep. So then I, I guess I would ask specifically to you, Mark, since you have been an analyst and um, both on a team and on the desk, how much of that do you really take from the analyst desk when you're working with a team? Like, I'm sure you watch and you see what they what they might say, but do you actually take anything or is it just kind of like we know what we're doing in the background and just kind of focus on that? I, I was like, I think like you hear a lot of analysts say like when they watch their, the games back, they usually mute the casters. Um, and it's usually because like the casters don't know what the communication was. And so, you know, like someone dies for some reason and like you have no idea what what the communication was on the team. And so it, it almost doesn't matter. And like, and when I was, you know, starting out, they didn't have like the voice comms live and stuff like that. And analyst desk is the same thing. Like, you know, sometimes they can point out some interesting stuff, but I don't think y you'll get significantly more value. It's, it's fine to listen to. Like, I know a lot of teams uh, and, and we did it too. Like they would come back from their game, you know, it's the end of the game. It doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's over, especially in the best of one. And like, sometimes you would just sit and listen to like what the analyst desk is saying, just, just to like process it but it's, it's not necessarily something where you're like, I don't think anyone is super absorbed into what the analyst desk is saying on the team side. I don't know if Parth ever felt different. I think the purpose of like the analyst desk and the casters is to make the game entertaining for the audience and give reasons why things are happening. Um, and those reasons, I think by and large, aren't necessarily correct or like complete opinions. And so if you are from a team, you're never going to go back and look at their opinions or what they're saying, because they're catering to a completely different audience than what you're trying to do. So Mark's wrong. So when I'm watching the analyst desk, Mark doesn't know what he's talking about. That's, that's my takeaway. No, it's just Matt, Mar Mark rightly does not have the complete picture. Yeah. So what, that's what I'm going to tell him whenever he makes a, a statement in the future. And I'll be like, Mark. Well, you didn't have the complete picture. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like his audience is like the people watching and not us. Yeah. The plebs. Well, right. And like what you're like to parse point, like what you're trying to get out of it is very different. Cause, cause like a lot of what you do on the analyst desk is more narrative storytelling about like how things are stacking up in the league than like, 
let's run through every scenario that could have resulted in that death that we probably won't even know anyways. So yeah. it's like, you know, to, to use an example that I, I talked a lot about, I think a, a fair amount, at least over the course of hotline league was like all tech and how good is all tech and this kind of stuff. And I, I feel like we touched on it a lot. And like, the reality is I really don't know what's going on in echo Fox. That's resulting in the output that we've been talking about. But at the end of the day, as an analyst is my job to say, I don't think, you know, or give my opinion on, on what the, the performance is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Finding peace for coming on the show. Uh, thank you. I'm big fans of all three of you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, we've just got a couple more callers to get through in the next uh, 15 or so minutes. Do you want to say thank you to Ozzy Ferper, Icarus, Icarus, really hard to pronounce, CG Shadow as well for resubbing all those all those folks subs. Thank you so much. How are you doing, Parth? How are you hanging in there? I'm okay. Yeah. You okay, I actually, remember, I actually remembered a funny story. Do you remember I tweeted at one point, if something super annoys me, I'll just like write a rage thing and then won't send yes, it out or you, publish yes. it? Parth, so Parth one of them was... And he's told me this before too. Whenever something is frustrating him, like something Riot's doing or team or community perception, he writes a long rant about it. And then he's like, maybe I'll post this one. And then eventually he just deletes it. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I don't delete it. I have them all just never published. One of them was actually when they did the original 80 carry tier list, like way back when. And this was like Keith was 10th or something. Um, which is when <laughs> Peter all, was B tier. Uh, yeah, I think it might have been that one. Wait, the, wait, so, wait, depends, one. I think I might have been there for the first one. Oh, well, it depends how long ago because there was. I think they did tier list like way way back. I did one where I put Keith tenth, and we had like trending, and like I put looking to go down from tenth <laughs> just to like okay. meme it up. So I don't know if it was that one. Okay, so I I'm like. As much as I hate it, it's like, okay, it clearly draws in the audience and creates discussion. Uh, But then someone like Keith was doing an interview and one of the casters asked him how he felt about his placement on the tier list. And I I was so fucking angry. Like I wanted Keith to just say it's because you guys are fucking dumb. Don't ask me questions like this because um, it's like super, super disrespectful to like pro players when there's like, oh, I'm putting in 14 hours a day and I'm trying to improve. And I think my skill level is X and I'm not getting like I have like a bunch of reasons why I am performing a certain way. And now this idiot caster who doesn't know anything that's going on is asking me about my placement on his shit tier list. Jesus, I was so angry then and I'm still angry now just thinking about it. Why don't you holy hell? What? Why don't you publish it? Uh, See, I, you gotta publish I, these I, things. I wrote, I wrote it out. It, it took me a while. I was like on a flight, I think, somewhere. I like wrote the entire thing, and then it's just sitting somewhere. So, uh, yeah. So I actually remember that that interview because I I think uh you know James James and I will usually toss interviews or yeah. we'll we'll get the toss to us, yeah. and that was that was that was a yikes moment. <laughs> we're just like oh yeah because if i remember that one right i think like i forget who is who the caster was but i think they like were they asked a similar question tw- two times in a row too and it was just like super awkward yeah because here's the thing like pro the one thing people will never understand is pro players and coaches and staff will never ever ever like defend themselves publicly because in any way that they defend it's themselves lose you are like throwing someone else in the org or the team under the bus 
and so like they just don't have that luxury what so if they can never go ahead sorry. no they just can't what if i uh ask peter about i think i asked him at the time about him getting placed b tier on freaks list like that that's probably okay right that because that's that's giving him an opportunity to like get back at uh, whatever i mean it like depends on like the context in which you yeah, do it. Like you and Peter are friends, and you're doing it jokingly. And Peter is not someone who is gonna like, like he knows that his placement was like no one believes in it and it's garbage. Whereas like the context in which Keats was done is was entirely different. I think it also depends to like how it's being done is pretty important. So like I think if you're like memeing it up or like oh yeah you supposedly are b tier like you're going up against uh, this guy who's way higher than you in the tier list kind of like joking way but if you're like actually like asking them about their placement it's it's yeah it's it's weird well so why didn't like, you publish it parth because that's like you you ranting about it and writing it up on a plane is never going to affect change this feels like the type of conversation we'd have over one of our dinners but like i i mean parth- i'll just i'll just reach out to the people who annoyed me and like message them did privately. you uh, I don't think I did in that instance, but I don't know why. Um, it's not too late. But, yeah. <laughs> hey, two years but, ago you interviewed, but uh, but like it's you never ever like put. I don't think casters should ever put like entertainment over the integrity or the competitiveness of the players or the game. If it ever crosses boundaries or one becomes more important than the other, I think there's a big problem. What I mean, what? Sorry, can you clarify how? I I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just, why would that be an integrity or competitiveness issue? Or sorry, like, sorry, not a. I don't know. It's just like it shows a real lack of respect for like what the players do and put it. Yeah. So like his point is is like if you. It's one thing to like call a player bad because you think they're bad. And it's another thing to like actually be disrespectful to that person. And that's yeah. not cool, I think, is what Parth is saying. Because it's no longer about like this guy's busting his balls and is, you know, coming up short. And it's like, ah, what an idiot, like, or something. And it's just not the same thing. And it's one of those things like now a bunch of teams are going to MSI. And naturally, not every team is going to do well. And instead of celebrating this team that went to MSI, the team that say gets fourth or fifth or doesn't make it out of groups is going to get fucking memed for being like super shit and like disrespecting their region instead of being like, Oh, we are, this is the best team in our region and we should like root for them and respect like all the work and effort they've put in. Like I'm not a big fan of TL during the split because I'm obviously like competing against them, but they are representing us at this international tournament. And regardless of what, what the result is like, they are the best that we have in our region to offer. And yeah, I just think that kind of gets lost a yeah. lot. Hey, Yellow Sub is on the show. Yellow Sub, where are you calling from? Holy shit, that wasn't his question. No, it wasn't. Oh, yeah, he hasn't asked a question yet. Yellow Sub has just been sitting here silently the entire time. I don't like to call attention to that because then YouTube leaves comments like, why would you get so awkward when they're just, Yellow Sub, where are you calling from? Hey, uh, I'm calling from Austin. Austin, I was I, I fucking love Austin. Like, if I had to live in Texas, you know, because I was forced to, I would definitely pick Austin. Yeah, it's a great place. A lot of gaming stuff. Recently saw Rick Fox speak at DreamHack. It's yeah, cool. I had I had a really good time at South by South. I still have a vlog I need to publish from from there. It's half built on a timeline and premiere. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, it actually kind of 
deals with MSI. So I have the, I guess, aggressive TSM flame statement. Uh, I think so. What I think is that TSM not making MSI this year is a good thing for NA because I believe that TSM has a major coaching slash management issue that has persisted throughout each season that prevents them from international success. And I believe that there needs to be serious change at the top level for uh, TSM's coaching slash management if they want to make their goal of winning worlds to become a reality. All right. So here's the Parth was like, all right, I need to prep myself for the flames of the hatred. I was like, no, no, no tonight's going to be fine. Then you call out and come in and, and say this. All right. I, well, I think the first thing to do is say, like, what what is this issue? Because just saying that there's an issue is is sure, sure. So I is this like, the Reggie. The this Reggie this is like the classic like redditor armchair analysis. Yeah, that's what the right? show is. Don't worry. That's that's okay, what everyone cool. knows. Right. It is. Fair enough. So yeah. the the issue is that TSM more than any other North American organization has received the most amount of international opportunities, and I think barring 2014 world's group right they made it to quarters i think every other not not like iem or rift rivals i'm not counting those i'm only counting msi and worlds to be fair i think that they have not performed well so that's why i'm saying i think there's some sort of issue that continually prevents them from international success that i believe is at a top level coaching slash management issue Okay, but you, I mean, how do you identify that as a, sorry, I'll let Parth rebuttal on here. And this, the only, the only thing that's kind of weird is you've said like, there is an issue, but you haven't sort of explained it's kind of, what it's, it is. It's kind of like diagnosing a problem without really saying the symptoms, I guess, is what Travis is saying. Cause it's like, sure, they've underperformed, you could argue at international competition, but you haven't said why that's the management's fault, I guess. Uh, so I think it's because like, they like ultimately the TSM organization has received an abundance of opportunities to compete internationally. And I think they're the only consistent thing, right. That has been to those international events, but has still squandered it. Right. Like the players have changed. And so, I mean, so you're, you're upset that despite the changes we've had, we've gone to international tournaments X times, but haven't shown results. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a that's a way to say it. Sure. Okay. So then, why don't other orgs just be better? Well, so like, sure. I mean, that that's that's fair. Like, I, I, I mean, agree that TL did like, it this year, and they have now the opportunity to represent us at NA or us at MSI. So I guess my rebuttal would be to that when TSM gets first place in the region and they go to Worlds. But C9 is the only NA team to make it out, even though they're like second or third. They're not the first seeded team. It uh -huh. still is. It's it's just a it's baffling why TSM. Wait wait wait, this, wait, 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 wait. Sure, You're sure, sure. baffled why another team in a completely different group can win one or two extra best of ones. That's what's baffling to you. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say it's just. I mean, like, you literally just said that. You literally just said it is baffling to me that another team in a completely different group accidentally won an extra best of one. 
I mean, that's not the sure. I guess that you can say you can say it like that. Sure. The, I mean, that's a, maybe, that's a logic problem. That's not like a TSM management problem. I think the major thing, though, is that especially at this last year's group stages, mm-hmm. I think definitively TSM had the easiest group, but they still didn't make it out. Really? How how was it definitive? Explain it to me. I think compared to the groups that both Immortals and uh, C9 had, that uh-huh. they couldn't make it out of that. I don't know what was explained so, to me again. You just said sure, you just okay, so, told me there were three different groups, and I believe that A group was better than B. Why was the other group better? Okay, so Group A. Let me out here. Let me pull it up just to make sure. Uh, group A was SKT, uh, EDG, C9, and AHQ. Group okay, B then- was. Uh, Immortals, Fnatic, uh, King Zone, or not whatever the fuck they were called before, uh, and then Gigabyte Marines, and then Group D was TSM with uh, Flash Wolves. Parth, you remember the other two? Uh, it was Flash Wolves, the- World Lead, and Misfits. Misfits, yes. Yeah, right. I think out of the like aggregate of that, I think T- like TSM got. I think the like second seeded China team and the third seeded European team is that, or the second seeded European team is what it was. Uh huh. And then in Group B, Immortals had first place Korea. I think that's an obvious given. And then Fnatic was the third place European team. Okay, my first question is: Do you think the seeding into groups accurately accurately represents their skill level? No, 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 no. I don't think that. Okay, so you can't use that argument. But I think it, okay, sure. It doesn't accurately represent it, but the point I'm saying is, that's not that's not really what I was trying to get at, but the point I'm trying to say is that I still think that group A and group B were harder than group D. Yeah, but again, you have shown me no credible evidence why that is the case. Okay, so I guess then- Yeah, so Reddit might have told you that they were easier groups or hard groups, but until you definitely show me proof that they were better or worse how can you make that claim uh, okay i guess that's fair i don't know how to prove to you how group a or group b is better than okay so then then let's come to the conclusion that the groups were within reason pretty similar because i do think that misfits took skt to almost five games and had the chance of winning and unless you're calling skt a shit team and i think we was also pretty credible yeah, and they did pull out really good strategies during their run. Sure. Okay. That's fair. Okay. They were reasonably good teams. Okay. And it was best of ones. Okay. So again, explain to me how it's baffling that groups that were relatively even and it was best of one, it's baffling that C9 might have won an extra best of one. Okay, but I Logic still... me through this. Okay. I, that's not the part I said was baffling. The part I said it was baffling was... No, that's exactly what you said it was baffling. No, I, I didn't say it was just for this world. I meant for the entirety of their international, uh, I guess, showings. Uh-huh. That's the part that's baffling, is that they've received so many opportunities, but they still come but short. But that's, that's a different argument. That's, we have gone to X amount of international tournaments, but we haven't made it further. 
but that doesn't mean any other team also has done that. Sorry, what do you, what do you, he's saying like, uh, if C9 makes it further in one world, you can, you can make that like argument, but then the other argument of TSM always failing is something else. Okay. If I, if I understood it right. Okay. I, how about this? You write me a paper, email it to me. I will read it and I will respond to you and we can publish it if you really want. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I'm just a Redditor channelist. I yes, don't think I know. That you are a Redditor. I agree I'm, with you. That, I'm not saying that <laughs> my opinion is necessarily correct. It's more it so is definitely just, not. I agree. Yeah, that's okay. fair. I mean, it's more so just frustration. And I guess Look, it's... Here's what I understand, right? I agree that fans should be frustrated at this org. Um, we set out to do something that is incredibly hard. We put in like as much effort as we can. And even the, in the off changing off season, we make the changes that we believe that is necessary for our team to do better internationally. Because I do think that if we had kept Peter and if we'd kept the previous roster, we would have won an A and we would have another shot. But we philosophically do want to do well at Worlds at some point, um, regardless of what you want to believe. And if you're disappointed with our results, that's fine. But until you can show another organization that's done more or better, or has sacrificed as much as our players and organization and staff has, don't come up with this bullshit that, oh, you're disappointed in us. You're disappointed. It's just really garbage. Hey, you little sub, uh, I can hook you up with Parth's email address after this if you guys want to continue the conversation. Uh, I do appreciate you calling in, uh, but just for the purposes of moving on, because we are starting to run out of time, I'm going to grab the, we're going to have Mark grab the next caller. But thank you so much for your call. Yep, sounds good. Take yeah, care. Thanks. Take it easy, dude. Oh, oh, that made it all worth it. <laughs> Part of, I'm all just those, all, those, all oh. those not written messages oh, made it all worth it. Parth, just like, like I'm kind of curious, is that because obviously you were a little stronger with that, that guy than with uh, than I've I've seen you in the past. Is this like a situation where for a long time you've sort of seen comments like this or Twitter posts or whatever, and it's it's kind of like something that's built up with you? Not really. Yeah. I mean, it was he called in and I answered his question. Sure. Just a little bit of a harsher tone that I think a lot of people were expecting, but uh, that's that's fair. Um, let's move on to the next caller here. Um, in just a second, Mark is running off to get him. Hopefully uh, he has a less controversial. Actually, I think I pulled this guy. Uh, so I think I know his less one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. Strive, uh, you're here right now. What, uh, what are you, where are you calling from? Uh, Fort Myers, Florida. From Florida. Okay, so we had a Florida caller earlier. Uh, and you are a Twitch sub. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have a lighthearted anecdote or anything that you'd like to uh, live it up the show before you, you go on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, Parth, uh, TSM fan. So thank How's you. For, thank you for everything. Uh, so basically my topic um, it's kind of long-winded so i'll try to shorten it as best i can because i know you're running out of time i have a few bullet points here so i'll go through them Uh, i think that the nalcs should expand the academy league and kind of treat it more like how uh, the ncaa does with football and uh, not not to i mean obviously you're going to pay the players but uh to (laughs) <laughs> to the extent of um, 
kind of brand building like you talked about with Frost Garen two weeks ago. Uh, we could get some of these younger players in here and they can kind of make a name for themselves, start streaming early, build up a lot of hype around themselves for like when they will eventually come into the league. Uh, I think you could do it during the off season. Uh, so like this brief period between, um, God, I'm sorry. My heart's beating after that last call. I'm so cringy. <laughs> We're all going to calm down. Don't worry. Yeah. Parth's not going right. to wreck your NCAA question. Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, kind of get those players some more exposure. Uh, you know, how Golden Glue has already built up, uh, you know, a bit of a following. He obviously went back to, to Academy, but I mean, you could start getting some of this uh, homegrown talent, uh, some more exposure, um, give Mark something to do in the off season since he's a, uh, since he's been bored and uh, let's see what else we got here Bar- know, well, while you're with more after you discuss while yeah. you're going over your notes uh mark can you explain a little bit for those including myself who are unfamiliar with the ncaa structure or, or sort of what he's he's referencing by having it moved to that structure well i am actually not a hundred percent sure we sign up because like uh depending on what sport you look at it they're all different but like i, I don't know if he means like can drafting. i just clarify it yeah, yeah drafting sure. for college it. or something i'm not sure Drafting would be cool to implement. I'm, I'm sure like a few years down the road, but um, basically just kind of get them their own league, um, kind of promote it a little bit more and, you know, treat it as like, hey, these are the up and comers. And so let's say like, I have a favorite quarterback that I watch in college and I get excited to see him make it in the big leagues. And that, that's kind of where I'm going with this. I do think that, so Academy League, I think is super important for the ecosystem for NA. Um, Ride implemented it this year since more teams have like, since the franchise system, more teams can leverage it and do different things with it. I think every org is trying to figure out what they want to use their Academy system for, whether it is to be like a scrim partner for their main team, or they want to, like build like one or two specific like players or if they actually want to use like subs for their LCS team or they want to like have them completely segregated and even use them to like farm talent. Uh, and in terms of, and they are even trying to figure out the number of resources they want to put into it. So I think this is a discussion that we can definitely have at the, the end of this year, maybe uh, middle of next year when all of the new orgs who came in who who are still trying to figure out their main LCS teams and their place in it have had time to settle down and then can focus on something like Academy. Mark, you've been uh, following Academy for a while. Do you agree with Parth's statement that we just kind of have to let it roll for a little bit until, uh, you know, the main LCS league uh, stabilizes? A little bit. I mean, even yesterday you heard Hunter talking about how they weren't exactly how Academy League should function for them either. And so I think before you go around and tampering, or not necessarily tampering, but looking to improve it, you should first understand exactly what you have on your hands. I'm not sure the teams quite even know and the org, the scene quite knows because initially Hunter was like, yeah, we'll just get like five randoms and we'll teach them League of Legends and hopefully we'll find a diamond in the rough. And then they just kind of got smashed and they weren't good scrim partners for their main team. And then you heard him kind of almost completely 180 a little bit on what they're looking to do this split where like get a couple more veterans on the academy team and make sure that they're capable of like making the best of our our lcs team as well and so like i think there's also different approaches that might work and so i definitely agree with part that like i think waiting and seeing a little bit more is is perfectly fine 
Parth, do you have an idea of how, you know, maybe to turn around, like right now, do you have an idea of what you would like to see the Academy system evolve into? Or do you, do you have ideas on what it might be lacking right now? Uh, I think there's a lot of things, but again, it comes down to the number of resources that both Riot and the Ors can put in. And I think a lot of the focus right now is still on stabilizing the LCS and recognizing like the first complete year in like this new system. Yeah. Um, I do think that Academy players can like have opportunities to get a lot more exposure, which they don't yet. Um, they can be like they have opportunities to. They don't necessarily have to play best of ones. They can play best of threes because um, if part of the stuff that isn't streamed anyway, then uh, we may as well give them more experience. Maybe find more opportunities for the academy players to play on stage. There's a lot of things that we can do for them, and I think we will do looking into the future. It's just we haven't reached that point yet where the resources that are currently dedicated to the LCS teams for the new orgs that came in can kind of go into there. Gotcha. Uh, anything else that you would add, Strive? I see I, you know you muted yourself. I don't know if you're still here. Yeah, no. Um, no, I think that's fair. Just wait and wait for a while and see how it goes and then think about how you can grow it because I think it would be uh, worthwhile for LCS to, to grow it, uh, get people more games that they were upset about losing once they went to the best of ones. Yep. So, yeah, after a little bit uh, <laughs> to grow it. Sounds good. Thank you for uh, letting me call in. Thank you, Omen. And thank you, Parth. <laughs> every time I love you guys every time you shout out the sponsor that is that is brilliant that just it creates a lot of work for me because then I got to go back and find all these clips to send. thank you though I really appreciate it yeah man oh we lost him but yeah he, he was done he's like peace yeah. don't need to get booted uh, alright so that is the show Parth how many messages have you I noticed in the middle of that call you're like looking over at your second water I assume you were getting messages from people like Dang, uh, yeah. Parth, you just went in. Yo, yeah. some some people were like, man, Parth is a, a... Or after that or something, but like, I don't know. I think it's totally appropriate. Like, if you... I mean, here's here's what, like, the caller calls in, says that there needs to be change at, like, the management level, basically implying, similar to our last caller last night, that, like, the person he's talking to should perhaps not have the job they have. I have no problem uh, with letting the that individual then... Uh, use I, thought, whatever. I thought Hunter was too PC. I thought this was the show where you get to not be PC. Yeah. No, dude, I I encourage everyone to come on here. A, a dumb question to just rip on it. Like I've definitely ripped on a caller too. Uh, and like, yeah, someone came in and was basically like, GSM sucks uh, from the top down because they haven't won internationally very much. And it's like, but no one's done better. Yeah. TSM is the most successful franchise in North American history by far. It's not even close. Uh, and then like, they don't have any specific thing that they want to point to. Like, yeah. you know what, if someone comes on there and says that to me, I'm like, go fuck yourself. You know, like, I think that's totally fine. No, if, if the caller had come in and said like, Hey, I actually think that like maybe TSMs, uh, you know, they should have had like a, a stronger set of 80 carries and Parth went in on him and like, really, you want to talk to me about our 80 carry pool? That's a little different than like I think uh, TSM should maybe not have uh, the leadership they have, and then and then Parth kind of goes in on them. So I think that's well, like, a, a big he, difference. He, I I think it's also like maybe I mean, he, it's, sorry Parth. Some of the par, some of the arguments are justified, right? Like the number of opportunities we've had are a lot more, and I can see why it is incredibly disappointing. Like every time we go to international tournaments and don't do well, we are insanely disappointed too. Um, but 
I've been with them since, wow, what was it? I'm, since Worlds 2015. Um, and I can like recount to you every international tournament, like the narrative for our team there. In 2015, I didn't think there was a shot that we were going to make it out of that group. Like Birg knows, Darius knows, everyone on that team knew that we were not making it out of that group. Um, at that point, like a lot of players were looking to retire already. Like Darius and Lustboy were already pretty checked out. Um, and so the team environment was pretty meh. Um, the next one was 2016 Worlds. That's the one I feel the, the most regret for because I think compared to every other team there, our level at that point, the 2016 roster was a lot higher. And I do think that if we had done prepared or like if we tweaked a million different things, we could have probably made it out of that group um, and maybe gone far. And that's like my one big regret at an international tournament is 2016 Worlds. 2017 MSI, um, we had to restructure the entire team to play around Turtle. And so I don't even think that that was the one split where I do think that C9 should have gone instead of TSM because I think C9 was the better team at the time. I even told Mark this when we came back. And I was oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, we had this conversation. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure C9 just was a better team um, and actually would have done better at MSI 2017. Um, and last Worlds, we just had, like, it was a combination of the meta and how we played the early game that it didn't really matter if we had gone further. Uh, we probably, like, if we were in a different group or against a different set of opponents, we uh, wouldn't have done that well because at that point, we just weren't, like, we didn't understand how to play it out. Um, so, I mean, sometimes it's like you have a chance to and you blow it. Sometimes, like, the things just don't align. Um, and every time the players and, like, the org and the staff members that go to every international tournament learn a lot from it. Like, we are definitely better as an org. Like, Peter is better as a player. Derek is better as a player for everyone he's gone to. And that experience is, like, the same thing that carries them through, like, their own region so they have more chances. And so at some point, I hope, NA continues to abide by the idea that they do want to do super well internationally. Um, and I'm super proud of players like Peter and Bjerg who, like, carry that torch. So, so, so let me ask yeah. you, Parth, just just out of curiosity, why not have given that answer? Like, why why not take that tact with the last caller? I'm not saying you should have, by the way. I'm yeah, just yeah. curious. Like, you gave that answer now. You could have responded to the last caller that way, too. Yeah, but his question was kind of bullshit. So Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say is, like, yeah. the guy wasn't like, what happened then that you think yeah. it's not management? You know, like, yeah, I yeah. think like, if it wasn't managed. There's a reasonable answer if the question was reasonable, but yeah. Like, I don't think that guy was going to get swayed if, if that was Parth's answer either. So like, yeah. you know, like, and, and that's the thing is, is a lot of people, some people were like, oh, those are a bunch of excuses. It's like, no, those are reasons. And like, I'm sure everyone in any of those situations where they, they came up short will take some level of fault for them. But the, the problem with that caller was also the assumption that like someone else could have done better. And it's like, that's probably not the case. Like, yeah. who, like in a perfect world. Yeah. You can pretend that someone would have done better, but they weren't there for a reason. Like. I never went to a world for a reason, you know, like, so I, uh, I might give a suggestion for callers in the future, uh, because the second episode we've had to deal with is 
Maybe don't call in and suggest that the person you're talking to shouldn't have their job. <laughs> no, I'd do it, dude. I'd love it. <laughs> I, I can't believe I can't believe Hunter was so PC yesterday. Well, okay, Hunter's in a completely different situation. He like he is. Uh, here comes the Travis Gafford Hunter defense. But Hunter is oh, like a, an unpopular owner at the moment or head on an unpopular team. You are like a very well respected figure. He was talking to like a. Another professional arguable. in the industry. Arguable after this yeah. segment. And I, I, <laughs> I think, I think, uh, you know, it, it, the situations were different. Uh, Parth or Parth Hunter just said in, t- in chat, "I love you, Parth," in all capital letters. Uh, and <laughs> to be fair, like a lot of people do have Parth's back for just being like, "Man, fuck that guy," because yeah. I mean, like, anytime you give a strong opinion on something, like you're gonna increase connectivity with fans who or and people who think a similar way and people who don't feel that way will not like you as much and that's just yeah. how it always is whenever yeah. you're speaking your mind it's hard when there were like there were people in twitch chat last night saying hunter shouldn't have his job there is nobody in twitch chat saying that to you tonight parth but i do agree that hunter uh was kind of he probably could have well that one also kind of like it kind of came out of left field right it kind of came out of left field and it was even like more direct this guy wasn't like Parth, you're the reason TSM has never gone anywhere in world. Like, yeah. that's kind of how the last one was. This was more like there's. Pro- I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna go down the route of like the Reggie thing when I initially saw his quest, or like when he initially started. Talking, oh, I like tonight's was, caller was gonna say like, is Reggie too involved in the team or something? Right. Like I thought that. that. I thought that's where that was gonna go when he said there's management issues yeah. at the top, but like By he didn't way, actually have anything to pinpoint, which is like how do you even defend when someone's just like nebulously attacked? But to end. By the way. Our- Barth, you scared our last caller so much. The NCAA guy, he put in Twitch chat, sorry, my heart was literally racing from the call before mine. Sorry if I did phrase my point while it sounded shaky because I was really shook. Okay. <laughs> Next time people run into Parth, dude, just like yep. in the LCS like parking lot, they're going to be fucking scared of him. Yeah, are gonna yeah, be like, Parth, making fans will just be like ass. nervous to come up and ask for a picture with Bjergsen because they're going to be like, oh, that's the guy over there. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> Hart's going to turn into their security detail. Yeah. Is there anything this man can't do? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's the show, everyone. Um, Mark, uh, do you have anything you want to say here at the end? Nope. I'm happy Parth finally came on the show. It's that's about fun. time. Yeah. Parth, thank you for now- coming on. I think it was, a, a, as always, like I love chatting with you about this stuff. I always think that you have a really unique and well thought out uh, answer to this stuff. It's... Uh, it's kind of cool to go down memory lane with some of these TSM moments and, and get your experience because you've been around for a long time. Uh, is there anything that you want to promote? Any uh, long-form documentary series that a company that you work for produces or anything along those lines? Yeah. I mean, we'll have a few content pieces coming out in the off-season, but mostly just to all the TSM fans who are super disappointed by this split. Um we fully believe in the talent of our roster and even like the um in our coaching staff and we're going to be keeping and working with all of them for for next split uh i'll be helping song and lust boy sort of on the outside helping them structure things um but outside of that i hope we have a strong showing next split and we will see you for another disappointing worlds Well, if that doesn't get you hype as a TSM fan, I don't know what will. Uh, thank you so much again to Parth for coming on the show. Thank you to Steve, who just uh, sent 5,000 bits, literally paid by Steve. Said, nice show. Thanks for the great content, Travis. Always fun to watch. Hopefully see you in Berlin. Uh, thank you to uh, 
Cody Jungle and Little Kosh as well for their support in the final moments of this. Uh, I've got if you if you're watching this and you missed last night's, we actually did two Hotline League episodes this week. This one with Parth, last night's with Hunters. I think they were both great and worthy of a watch. So if you watch this one, great news. You've got a whole another one to watch. Uh, and I think I should have some more content, uh, exciting stuff coming out later this week. I'm going to talk about League of Legends Tinder. There's a video that's coming out about that. I'm looking forward to it. I just did an interview with their uh, founders. So thanks, everyone, uh, for watching. This has been Hotline League, episode 25.